Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Talk Diplomacy podcast. Yeah, my name is Ishan Basreddy, and here with me is Jacob. Um, hello, everyone. Um, today we're doing a podcast on the current uh, uh, women's rights abuses and the current dispute with like protests um, in Iran uh, currently. Uh, and as always, we will be expressing uh, some certain uh, personal biasness uh, in this uh, podcast. So just uh, caution for that. Uh, but to start with, um, we'd like to talk about the history um, of Iranian, uh, I guess, kind of resistance to the, you know, to the government in charge, that specific regime. Yeah, particularly and, in like recent times. I mean, that's in recent, our yeah. focus. So, Yishan, could you, you can take that. Yeah, sure. Um, so... Iran as a country today is ruled by a theocratic uh, Shia Islamic government, which is extremely extremist, extremely extremist, what is that? <laughs> uh, but is rather radical in its enforcement of its supposed religious law, which one of the most uh, hated aspects of it is its uh, forcing a woman to cover their hair in public with the hijab which is not only considered to be a violation of just human rights and women's rights also, it's also can be considered a violation of Persian or Iranian culture as the hijab mm -hmm. is an aspect of Arab culture that has been carried there. Um, and now enforced by this government, which many Iranians, most in fact, absolutely hate and feel that it does not reflect any modern standard of humanity or dignity and doesn't honor its thousands of years of heritage and history enforcing a religion that is not of Iranian origin and concepts that are not, regardless of where they came from, in support of human rights um, in general. This has caused it to become extremely hated. And this, this government, which came into being after... For these, some of these reasons, uh, people protested against the previous monarchist government, the Shah Reza Shah, uh, mm -hmm. the Pahlavi dynasty, and overthrew them, but managed to find themselves back in an even more human rights abusing rule, um, actually making the previous rule actually look quite benign, which is why a lot of sentiments nowadays are monarchist, in fact. So... It's kind of ironic, I'm going to say, that this government that exists right now, which came into being as a result of gigantic protests and eventually a full-blown revolution in which yeah. lots of pro-democracy and just pro-human rights factions also participated in, but eventually somehow were beaten out by the religious extremists. Um, these protests actually are quite similar to everything that has happened since then, as many individuals over so many decades have actually protested against this government to no avail mm -hmm. as they have violated human rights repeatedly and used means such as just shooting into crowds and all these sorts of things, killing potential suspected dissidents, or even as recently as now, killing people who do not strictly adhere to their religious rules which go against human rights 
Um, Jacob, you want to expand on that? Right. So, I mean, like Hisham is uh, uh, describing, uh, you know, before the Islamic Revolution of uh, 1979, uh, when the Shah was deposed and basically, basically his government and dynasty were basically overthrown. I mean, you had women, of course, who, I mean, you had people who were already, of course, wearing hijabs back then. But there was, of course, a lesser sense of, I mean, you had to follow, uh, you know, and like Hassan said, or that's really something that was brought by uh, the Arab peoples. But back then it was kind of like a lesser, you didn't really have to do, you weren't restricted to those uh, Yeah, ideals. I mean, over time, as Persians kind of reasserted their independence and forged their own state under like the Qajar and... um. Pahlavi dynasties and much before that as well it wasn't really forced I would say um, yeah. I I don't think yeah I, in general in the past few centuries in Iran religion hasn't been so terribly enforced as first of all it is at the end of the day foreign and mm-hmm. also didn't play as much of a role compared to just general values and culture especially exceedingly now in the present day when many Iranians identify as not necessarily religious and not Muslim, but are forced to adhere to those rules with the threat of mm-hmm. death. And like, for example, if you see after the revolution, um, even like immediately afterwards, in the same year in 1979, um, you know, you saw a lot of women uh, who, of course, rallied against wearing the hijab. I mean, there's a pretty great picture um of women throwing off uh hijabs and you know showing their hair and basically uh you know showing that uh you know they they were not going to abide by the new government under the supreme leader um that basically uh you know is telling everyone that you had to wear a veil wear, wear the veil which of course is the hijab uh basically regardless of religion or nationality um, so basically, I think it was, it may have been International Women's Day, um, which I think is sometime in early March. Um, thousands of women basically, uh, Rosie protested uh, in Te- Tehran. Now, I don't know exactly if any of them were uh, killed or arrested, but I do know that's probably a really early example of uh, protest against the uh current government in Iran. Um, and then at the same time, you saw even more protest uh, outside of the U.S. embassy in 1979, uh, where, <laughs> I mean, you saw, uh, of course, that built into, of course, the Iranian hostage crisis, which that's a whole other thing. Um, but you saw revolutionary students basically take dozens of U.S. embassy staff um hostage basically uh and at the same time really when you saw a real change uh between uh iranian women before the revolution and after the revolution came basically the year after the revolution in 1980 um when basically if you were around in 1978 uh, and, you know, of course, hijabs were not required and they were not enforced, even though you had some people who wore them um, anyways. Uh, you saw in 1980, you were required to wear them um, no matter what. 
I mean, that was just basically the law that was, uh, you know, pushed. Uh, and of course, even like Ishan said, you know, the hated laws that were being pushed by the new government, even recently, you know, with uh, the woman who was just killed um, in the current uh, protest against, of course, hijab wearing. Right. Um, and really that, you know, pushing a really, you know, and I would say women's rights, oppressive type of law legislation. Um, and I'd say also to Ishan's point that really isn't any uh, Iran's culture, culture at all. I mean, you go back and like, of course, you know, you look at Iran's history, like Ishan said, that was, it's really like an Arab uh that's really their uh, type of culture, their type of ideology there. Um, there were, you know, that that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, you saw the new religious extremist government take over and they mm -hmm. were like, you have to do this, you have to do that. And of course, the Iranian people certainly did not like that. And like Isan said, most of the Iranian people, they... You know, they don't necessarily like their government too much. I mean, as compared to other governments around the world. I mean, a minor slip up from this government literally causes people, even under the threat of death, to pour out on the streets and literally go crazy. So I'm going to say, I don't think any other government in this world, we, even with such harsh threats, gets mm -hmm. that many protests and that many people literally willing to die. So... When it comes to that, I mean, it may be, rather than the government, the strength of the Iranian people and their solidarity with each other and their solidar their dedication to their values that yeah. the government goes against, which is causing all of this. But I, as far as I see, there hasn't been anything like this. I mean, even in China, you had Tiananmen Square, my pronunciation, excuse it, please, when it comes to Chinese words, I do not, I can't do tonality. Um, when it comes to that, after that was shut down, that was basically the end. I mean, of course, we wouldn't know if something happened. It could easily be censored. But mm -hmm. the general perception seems to have moved that the uh, jingoistic and irredentist and extremist views of that authoritarian government have actually mm -hmm. been liked by the people because they have made some progress towards development and increased their unity whatever that may debatably be defined as. Um, however, and in fact, I wouldn't say that the communist government of China has necessarily betrayed the values of the Chinese people. I mean, they never really had a democratic tradition in the first place, other than the Republican ideas that they had for a few decades. But on the longer scope of Chinese history, they mm -hmm. didn't really have a culture of anti-authoritarianism. So I wouldn't say that goes against their values, but yeah. I think the their values of like education and like working hard and um, certain values as defined by like the eight points uh, under the CCP's rule and other types of doctrines, I think is an evolution of the people's traditions to an extent where yeah. no matter how terrible or or oppressive it may be it is at least that that's uh, their culture yes thing, which yeah. can be which can also be seen if you compare the nazis um as an evolution of prussian militarism and that aspect and how hitler intentionally based a lot of his ideas on the concept of the nordic race but if mm -hmm. you look at iran 
the Islamic government does not have any ties to anything other than the religion of Islam. And mm-hmm. it claims Iran as an Islamic nation, which, of course, Islam had a lot of role in the history of Iran, but especially among the youth and the major population today, I feel that a lot of them, especially in this country, and those who have immigrated to escape this rule, actually identify a lot more with their native cultural festivals and the ideals of even Zoroastrianism, even if they're not formally Zoroastrian. So right. it's not, it's, it's this, they have this oppressive government, which is oppressing their culture and free speech. And it's not even derived out of their own, their own values and things that the majority of them share. Of course, there will be many, there may be devout Muslims among Iranians, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of the population definitely does not agree with it. So as it is not derived from the values, I believe this is a major reason why people are so willing to sacrifice for protests because the government as a whole is not derived from or supporting their way of life, which I feel was not the case with Nazis or the Chinese government. Yes, I'm making parallels between the two as there are definitely parallels. In, in that both of them are derived from some sort of heritage of the people they they did effectively oppress. However, that's not the case in Iran. And I think that's the major reason why we see different trends there, where errors upon error, minor errors upon errors upon errors and woes confounding society causes protests like every few years that is just massive and very pervasive throughout society. Yeah. Um and even of course to build on that um you know of course with chinese culture you know they're just like you know it's sort of like they're afraid of of course the reason why um they really adopt that kind of like they've kind of kept that going with of course having kind of you know a totalitarian rule um over the peoples because of course they've always been afraid of uh what they call chaos in society which they believe is like anarchy because, you know, you look back in their history, they've had long cases of that. I mean, you look at the three kingdoms, but of Mm -hmm. course in Iran, you know, I wanted to highlight one specific thing and this is like, you know, and I know this is pretty controversial, um, but uh, under Muhammad Katami, um, and I'm pretty sure, I hope I did not not, uh, mispronounce that. um, He, I wouldn't say he treated women better under his government, but he provided um, at least some civil, you know, you know, at least human rights, um, at least a little bit to women. I mean, you saw that where uh, he kind of was kind of more pro reform to the government at hand. I mean, he appointed uh, at least I think it was uh, 13 women to uh, uh uh, Iranian parliament, which, I mean, that's considering the government uh, and their ideals, that's a pretty large number. Um, and then, of course, uh, they they basically, they, they, redu- they basically kind of reduced and also kind of, you know, emphasized uh, some modified parts of like, you know, the family protection law. Um, and also at the same time, <laughs> and I know this isn't really as much of progress, but they raised the age of marriage um, for girls, I think, from maybe an eight or nine um, to 13. 
Oh my god. Um, and that's really not really progress, but of course. I mean, it's I, I would say, you know, um, and then also the ban on um single women studying abroad um was also lifted. And basically some non-government he Katami also allowed some non-governmental uh organizations um to lay kind of like the kind of the platform and the foundation um for a kind of like a, for uh a more vibrant kind of like civil um and women's society which of course were founded on women's issues um but then you know you saw uh the the, the recent um you know right now you had you have hassan rohani's uh uh yeah, his his government, um, yeah. which I mean, I would say <laughs> that's kind of a a major step down um, from you know his his predecessors, which they they weren't really as much better either, um, if you think about it. Um, well, then you have even worse, which yeah. I'm thinking you're about to say. Yeah, you have the current dude, and 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 he, of course. Um, Ricey. Yes. Um, and he, right now, I would say uh, under, yeah, him being, the, uh, you know, the modern, the current Supreme Leader, I would say that's even a more of a step down. Not um, Supreme Leader President, but yeah. Yeah. From, uh, oh, yeah. I then mean, there's I think the, the other current Supreme Leader is Kamene. Uh, I think that's his name. Yeah, Khomeini. Ali Khamenei. I think that's yeah. his. I think that's that's his name. Um, yes. but I would say either way, it's just still a major, major step down in women's rights. Even more, actually, in fact, this law was kind of relaxed until recently when they started use. They started enforcing like morality police to to arrest people who did not conform. And this is this of course disproportionately affected women and and people who, um, might not necessarily be Muslims, uh, under this Islamic state, which many Muslims themselves don't agree with it and say that this is this because as the faith grew, it began to include more. A lot of people believe in human rights within Islam as well, so. A lot of people dissent and do say, even from an Islamic perspective, that this is against human rights, you know. Mm -hmm. And I would say, um, even to your point, uh, I mean, currently, I mean, you see, I mean, these protests going out um, mm -hmm. and you see it even even in the past, Iran's faced this constant problem with the people saying we don't like, you know, specifically uh not only like really the, the 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 governmental legislature that's being pushed uh by the, of course the current government um and we definitely don't like you know the human rights abuses and stuff like that i mean you look at the outside world i mean you know there are major problems but i'd say the iranian people i think maybe look at themselves and you know in their government and being like you know we do not want this um and I would say even back um, with uh, Khomeini, with his government, which I'm pretty sure I mispronounced that as well. I mean, with him, uh, you know, they had uh, under him, there was uh, many protests 
for human human rights and women's rights. I mean, you had you know a, a period. I think it was, nine. I think it was nineteen eighty five or nineteen eighty seven, um, when there was a giant famine. Um, what happened was, uh, of course, Khomeini was, I guess, heavily taxing uh, many farmers. Um, I guess, in, I think it was the some uh, south. Uh, southwestern uh, region in Iran. Um, uh, Kuzestan? Yeah, it may, it may have been uh, that one. I don't know if it was Kuzestan specifically. Um, it may have been another region. Um, but I know that he was heavily taxing them. And they ended up going and protesting. Um, and they were, huh, I would say, heavily put down even more so than what happened when uh, the women came out and protested. Um, uh, which year, which year were you discussing again? Huh? Which year was this? Uh, I think it was 1985 or 87. Okay, because uh, Kuzestan is the region which is uh, very minority heavy and also has a lot of oil. Yeah. And I know that that may have been specifically maybe one of the reasons why it would, he heavily taxed it. Um, but I mean, it still is no excuse for, I guess, his actions as well. I mean, against those people, um, and at the same time, his problem also, uh, you know, you saw politically, um, and under his government, women really, uh, basically held on to the one thing that they did, um, one, 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 one thing that they did have was they were able to, hold on to like the right to vote and run for parliament. Um, I know in 1980, four women were elected to the first uh, parliament, which that's still not um, a very big step forward. And basically some, you know, sometime later they uh, sat on some local councils. Um, but most women basically who were in real uh, higher up positions were dismissed um, or demoted um, or... <laughs> quote unquote, given like a really early retirement. Um, and really, you saw women, you know, trying to run for presidential elections during that period. Um, but they, they, you know, they were disqualified even up to, uh, I think it was, it may have been uh, Katami, um, his, his years um, under, uh, you know, his presidency that they tried to, uh, run for president, um, but they were disqualified. So really, the steps forward that the Iranian government has made have not really been that substantial. I mean, compared to other countries around the world that have, of course, suffered um, with women's rights abuses. Um, you know, and I would say... Iran, considering the uh, protests right now, um, it's kind of like a reoccurring fact um, to me. Uh, they they haven't really been making a lot of reforms um, since Katami, and even the reforms that they made were not substantial. And I think the people will not stop fighting um, until, of course, they get what they uh, what they most desire, which of course is basic human rights and basic women's rights mm -hmm. and like honestly if you look another thing 
The very unique dynamic in Iran is the fact that it's a totalitarian government with not many people who even agree with mm-hmm. its tenets. As as I have stated, I think uh, the theory I'd like to put forth, I'm not sure if this is an existing theory, that totalitarian governments are can be divided into two groups, one of which is evolved from the people's way of thinking and their way of life, their culture and that their heritage. Whereas the other type, and that can be found in Russia, China, um, mm-hmm. those countries, especially where they had a history of authoritarianism and many of their cultural values of their government align with the people, even though there are many dissidents, still it stands strong because there's a portion of the people willing to work for it. Whereas mm-hmm. in, in Iran, because the tenets of the government don't necessarily evolve out of a heritage most people can relate with, it has caused more more distrust of it, and that has caused more problems. I mean, specifically, if you see in the window of women's rights, if you see there was a there were several uh, female generals and important figures in Iranian history, which is quite remarkable. Um, even back all the way into like BC eras, there were women generals who were very important in mm. even. Uh, as late as the uh, um, Islamic assault, you had individuals. I forgot her name, but she um, um, she resisted against the Islamic intrusions of the Arabs, and that's quite ironic, um, given what is happening right now. Um, and I'm not necessarily saying that Iranians are not Muslims or like. None of them can uh, relate to that. But I'm saying as a whole, their heritage, having evolved out of Iranian values, you had people in BC uh, eras fighting. In You had women fighting in the military. You had you had people like Pantea Artish Bod, and then you had people as late as Islamic assault, like Banu Koram, mm-hmm. uh, resisting that as like a freedom fighter. And now you see that... That a extreme variant of a foreign religion that has taken root in its government is now forcing a retroactivity, a terrible situation for a society which was very progressive in this aspect over thousands of years. Now you can mm-hmm. clearly see why uh, the majority of people really do not like this. It's because Iran as a whole was very, very progressive when it comes to women's rights. And that these values of oppressing women and forcing them to scarf themselves is is foreign to them. And I think rather than just looking at the situation in Iran, if you compare this as we just are basically are doing, you can learn a lot about how the culture and behavior of people mm-hmm. relates to the political sphere, even if you have a similar type of government. Now, you can again say that well, maybe the difference is that Iran's government is a theocratic authoritarian government rather than is like an authoritarian theocracy rather than something else like in Russia or China where it's like fake republics, I would say. Um, but if you look at all three, they're all trying to advance an agenda because when it comes to politics, religion is just another agenda, another ideology. And if you look at the values of the Chinese Communist Party as being their ideology, you look at that um, that Sovietism, kind of the shadow of that, the lingering of that as the ideology of Russia, um, right. authoritarianism really being coded in them. And then you see Islam 
ex- an extreme version of it being the ideology of the Iranian government. It's really all the same in that regard. But what's different really is how the people compare to that ideology, which I find quite fascinating. Exactly. Um, and also to your point, you were talking about um, uh, the uh, the woman general um, who was, I guess, fighting against um, the uh, Arab incursion um, into Iran. Into Iran. Um, I think I, I do know who you're talking about. Her name was, uh, I just had it, Bon. I think her name was like Bon, uh, Bonnie or Banu. Yeah, Banu. Like I mean, I, I'm not sure if that's her literal name. Yeah. Or like a sobriquet or something. Um. But yeah, that's just uh something that I uh, just remembered uh, just now when you were talking about it. Um, but I do agree with you. Um. You know, that's not part of their culture. And they're, of course, fighting against it, um, as opposed to, of course, China, um, or even as you go even back to, you know, Russia or, uh, you know, even Germany. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of parallels you can draw. Now, coming back just to what's happening right over there, um, just a bit of news because as of the recording of this 10 21 not my bad october 29th uh, 2022 the protests are i've been ongoing with more killings happening and the uh, government has just warned the protesters that saturday which is this day will be the last day of tolerated protest as if it's really being tolerated and yes. Um, what they're going to do after that is quite in speculation, and I would expect it means that they would, they would, um, shoot. I mean, the head of Iran's elite revolutionary guards is reported by CNN. Um, uh, just to commit heavy violence, yeah, Hossein Salami has, uh, Stated, today is the last day of the riots. Do not come to the streets again. What do you want from this nation? Which is obviously kind of ridiculous (laughs) when you consider that. I think the government very well knows what they want from them. Yeah. I mean, even you saw, I mean, some wild accusations. I mean, earlier when they were saying that, well, any, any, any journalist who was, you know, reporting on Masa Amini's death, um, is accordingly spying for the Central Intelligence Agency. Um, and then, you know, in, in light of America's tense relationship with Iran right now, um, and also, like you, like you uh, mentioned, Ishan, uh, it really, um, you know, with, you know, violence um, being partaken by the Iranian government, I mean, it's really nothing new considering the protest. I mean, you've already had people who have been killed anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I guess this is mainly their public, publicly they're coming out saying, you know, we're, we're, we're going to go all at it, you know. Yeah, I mean, we don't really know what's going to happen because as there have been so many people who have been willing to die for change, and so many protests have happened over mm-hmm. the decades. None of them has been able to topple the government 
as it had occurred before to the Shahist government. I think that the current government is very much deliberately designed to avoid that from happening as they very well know people do not agree with mm-hmm. their rule. But as per what will happen now, I'm not sure given that there's not too much data about how many people are protesting, but there have been already instances of gun fire being used to kill people to deliberately disperse, which itself is a human rights abuse given that they are protesting simply for a basic human right to which a vast majority of the population consents to. So that's not even a problem. It's not yeah. like, if, it's not like see, the thing, the argument that can be made in other regions uh, in the Middle East may be that a majority of the population and their culture does not consent to this modification of their human rights. However, if you look at Iran, as I've stated historically, there there's much evidence that they are very much pro-women's rights throughout history. Their, their very heritage is having that in its nature, in its very DNA. So to say that the people don't consent from it, obviously the government hasn't even tried to make that accusation because even they know that nobody would believe that. Yeah. So it's really it's really up to a lot of uh, um, speculation in the next few days. If you statistically look at it, I don't think anything will happen. They'll be mowed down again, and that'll be it until another slip-up happens. But there's always, in these situations, always a small chance, or who knows a large chance, maybe, for radical change to occur. And that's really a lot of times how things alter, like crazy through history. Mm-hmm. So... To honestly conclude, um, what we basically compared how the culture of people within an authoritarian government and any other government really interact and compared examples ranging from Iran to communist China to post-Soviet Russia, even pre-Soviet Russia, and Nazi Germany, and how really? you know how culture and government interacts really in different ways, mm-hmm. and then we. I guess kind of swung around to historical depictions, talking about what's happening and honestly concluding with what is about to happen, hopefully not about to happen. And in the case of everyone getting shot and hopefully what is to happen, which is that there's change. And I definitely would like to say as an American, um, I definitely do think that it is necessary 100% for the this step to be made for Iran as it's uh it's step back in human rights that has been enforced by a gross misrepresentation of a religion, uh, mm-hmm. which is what is generally agreed upon, is just definitely terrible and definitely one of the worst situations in the world, I'd say. Um, how a pristine culture which very much was in favor of these human rights is really being ruined by these different aspects which have uh, acted like a cancer to their society. And I hope that these protests would lead to something in the near future or even distant future, whenever it is. I hope that something can change and they can create a government and a way of living, a, a government that respects their way of living, whether that be a monarchy, constitutional or not, a democracy right. or whatever it is. I just really hope that their commitment to human rights is returned 
and that the government is in some way an embodiment of the people, um, hopefully a democracy, but it's really up to them. Exactly. So, uh, like Yishan said, uh, this is the conclusion um, to our, uh, uh, of course, our episode um, on the current uh, human rights and women rights uh, protests in Iran. Um, so thank you for joining us. Yep. All right, then. Thank you all. And we'll see you for the next episode. Thank you. Bye.